Welcome to the Weekly Reboot, your regular Friday debrief of things we've heard and seen coming from the Agile community here in Melbourne and beyond. This week, very special surprise for you in the interview with uh, the godfather of Agile in Melbourne here, Nigel Dalton. I was lucky enough to catch up with Nigel in what seems like Melbourne's smallest cafe called The Switchboard, where yeah, we had just an impromptu chat. Luckily, I had my recorder with me. And it's always great talking to Nigel. He's a fabulous storyteller. He's a great person to know. And now that he's left REA Group, he's probably got a bit more time. So you should get in touch with him and see if he'll come and give one of his great talks at your organization. About halfway through the episode, we talk about uh, Nigel's graph paper that he colors in. So he has a graph paper that represents all of the potential years of his life and colors in a square every day. And it's symbolizes making every day count and that's kind of what I love about Nigel as well as many other things he's a great storyteller um, so settle in and listen in to a nice episode from Nigel. Uh, I was kind of thinking I was thinking these subversive cunning plans <laughs> so what's what do you think about the demographics for going into the third decade we should talk about this it's quite funny okay i'm yeah. recording oh good okay <laughs> so i was on the tram this morning and here's here's this cunning reflection it's like there's a group of this millennial population like mid-30s digital native all that kind of thing they're about to go through the biggest crisis of their life called turning 40. now i remember turning 40 it was kind of like oh my god and, and you know they're going to melt it's got too big a mortgage, they've got too many children, or not enough children, they've got parents retiring. This is the moment for the 27-year-olds to grab power mm. as their 40-year-old bosses um, emotionally melting down is, is, is cause the revolution. Jump out there and actually kind of lead from within. Yeah, Visualise the work, start to own the strategy, force the conversation. So I think that's going to be an interesting time because we, we, we do see in Melbourne in particular this, this digital generation mm. who are in their 30s. Like mm. you think of all the people we've worked with, they're, they're about to turn 40 and I reckon it's a tough time. So mm. that's my um, kind of morning's reflection on how will we make things better working in Australia. Great. Well, I mean, we're passionate about that, so yeah. that's great. And I, I, this was interesting. That I think that's now the core of what I'm thinking. And last week was the Lean Enterprise Australia Conference, oh. which I, ch- I now chair the Lean thingo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is interesting. I, don't, I left the five days of the conference going, I know so little about Lean. I know a bit about Agile. I know so little about Lean. I'm embarrassed to be the chair of this organization because it is a sort of infinite body of knowledge. And we had one of the kind of founding thinkers over, John Shook, Mm. to do keynotes and work workshops and those kind of things. And I ended the week going, oh, there's so much to learn about all of, well, not alone the Japanese words, but the actual systems at work. So I caught up with John on the weekend and, because he's a global traveller and he was staying over here on the weekend, so caught up for a beer. We got to talking about why had he gone to Japan in 1983, done massive, massive life-shifting things. I mean, he's he's from Tennessee. Mm. No, Mississippi. Like, he's a southern boy. 
and you couldn't think of a bigger fish out of water than him going to Japan as a Toyota engineer and the only English speaking engineer native and he he's really passionate about it he's kind of like I'm doing this because work is awful mm. and in the West we've divided it up in a way into McJobs and it's you know for the Ford and Taylor mentality he's going work can be better than this work can include human dignity it can include aspiration it can can include continuous improvement but not under a traditional bureaucratic method so he's going that's really all I do it for yeah so much talking to the um, to the converted here I, I, know. Was, I was watching um, who was it minds the product had just moved into their new Brighton office I assume that's in England and there was pictures of them putting their furniture together and hey moved into a new office so it's inside a beautiful converted old building and they'd lined up their tables um, and then so there was a picture of them on the floor working and putting all their desks together and all you know super stoked about the new video intercom system and stuff yeah. and then you saw it at the end and they were lined up on their desks looking at their screens and i just thought oh i feel like you looked happier when you're putting <laughs> the furniture together on the floor and yeah is this what it is now it is it is a bit and of course you and i both care about the next generation of works it's in our face our children mm -hmm. And I don't want Noah going out to some muck job in some muck corporation. And I want him to have a fulfilling thing where he can, mm. you know, have a chance at changing the world. And yeah. you know, I don't don't let that aspiration to solve climate change and to yes. solve, need them to solve all the problems well, now. Well, 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 I've left them to them. You know, that, yeah, that yeah. is <laughs> that was a gift. That's <laughs> my eternal gift to them. But, yeah. um, I saw a very sad tweet today, or made me feel sad, and I decided to have a day where I was going to try and silver lining all the tweets that. Um, yeah, I, that I and I must share that my tweet of the day from yesterday. <coughs> like, oh. oh my god, it's a beauty. Well, well, this one was Kent Beck talking. They were talking about stand-ups being antiquated and, uh, and almost like a batch optimization because you get together once a day and it's a status update. And I can't. I can't I thought, well, bloody, bloody hell, I was coaching people about how to do stand-ups yesterday, and now I'm being told they're awful and people aren't enjoying them. And I thought, why well, it never really occurred to me that people don't enjoy their stand-ups. How can we have got there? Yeah, well, not everyone does. You can see it in their faces is the thing. I think the essence of it, if you go back to the theory around visualisation of work and daily conversation, is you've got to change it all the time. And, and our dilemma is, is people demand to know what's the one recipe. Mm. And, the, and well, there's not one recipe. You actually need to learn a whole bunch of ways of changing that conversation around and maybe not having it today, maybe doing it tomorrow. But yes, when I learned Agile, it was the, it was the scrum basics of mm. what did you do yesterday? What are you doing today? What's blocking you? The, the fact that that's a revolution to a lot of people <laughs> in, in the way work works is shocking, but it's still out there and there's yeah. still opportunities for us to at least get people to that basic thing. Yeah. But the dilemma is we are out there training it mm. and it's not people pulling it to mm. like, okay, well, how can we work better? How can we work better? It's us going in on behalf of their bosses mm. and saying, okay, well, you need to be agile now. And mm. they're like, oh, why? What? And that, and that, that's, that conversation I must have had a thousand times in the last three years at REA Group. Yeah, right. And that's kind of the essence of superproductive.com. But that's, I think, that, that's, yeah, I'll, I want to talk about it in a yeah. second, but I was just going to get onto that thing about you going to a lean conference and finding there's so, there's an iceberg of stuff that you didn't know. That's yeah. how I feel every time I read a, 
another artifice, like, oh crap, I better go update my slides. Here's another thing. Yeah. But if we don't know it, you don't know it, what chance have the uninitiated to get the depth of it? Yeah, know? well, the, the difference is you and I are curious. You and I are a lot, we've got learning mindsets and are happy to, to not know. And most people are not trained to feel comfortable with not knowing. That's a state of a vulnerability, that's a state of fear, and it's like, are you going to bullshit that they know? Oh, did we ever interview anyone in seven and a half years at REA who said they didn't know what Agile was? No. Magically, everyone. Oh no, I'm deeply experienced in Agile, I've got a Scrum certificate. Well, it turns out to be bullshit most of the time, you know, they've, they've done the rituals once, and but it's just, it's that new hurdle. And it's not helped by the big consultancies running around issuing certificates I know. in Agile. And, that, and it, it's kind of that is, wow, we reached, we reached a point where there's more money made from issuing certificates than the productivity improvements resulting from changing the way you work. Pyramid Look, they are, to some extent they are. It's, I feel very sad about that, but... Um, and, and so it is interesting now to have kind of become a, a, a member of the lean tribe, and, they, mm. and that was a hard tribe to to, to, get, to into. get into. And yeah. it was actually um, James and I years ago offered to go to the lean conference and explain agile, and they were very suspicious of us. But we did the red bead experiment, oh, yeah. and we showed we knew a bit. And we were <laughs> yeah. curious. Well, that's probably four years ago, and now here I am, the chair, because they're kind of going. Oh. Uh, you know what? If we don't understand this digital thing, we're in, we're gonna, it's dead. Yeah. And the, and the founders, Jim and, and Dan and John, are well, they're in this late seventies. Oh, yeah, no, seventy, oh. about there, not late seventies, but then they're in this se- getting to seventy. And well, that movement, like so many things, does rest with them as the leaders, mm. as the original writers of the machine that changed the world and lean management and all those great books. So we don't want to lose them. But hey, my tweet of the day. Yes, please. Because um, you know I work at Lonely Planet, right? And of course that, I that, do, yeah, yeah, That's yeah. kind of part B of my book. <laughs> um, was a from the founder of our nemesis in Asia, which is a, a company called Travel Fish. So we, we, you know, we were very much, it's all about the book. Yep. The book is the whole piece. You can't break that down into components easily and make money out of it. Which is why we kind of didn't quite get digital in that sense. We thought that the, the, the chunk was the book, and the truth was the chunk was the components. And he started from the other end. He was 15 years ago, fresh, young, blogger, traveler, and he started a blog called Travel Fish. And then he just engaged like minds, five mm-hmm. or six. And we laughed, going, what is it, a bulletin board? <laughs> <laughs> And that'll never beat the mighty power of Lonely Planet. Well, I reckon he did. Yeah. And it was because of the authenticity and the fact he went there and it was re- regularly updated and it was opinionated. And it was lists. What are the ten things to do here? What are the five things to avoid here? And they were hilarious and, and brilliant. But um, it was awkward, the fact that, that that kind of beat us. Well, he tweeted yesterday, what are the kind of five or six lessons he would reflect on from 15 years of building a disruptive online only startup in travel like that and it's quite scary for i think a lot of industries to think about and the bot- to summarize it it's if the thing you are doing has a latitude and a longitude 
then Google is going to win. What do you mean by that? So, uh, you know, you think about places, uh, it's all about points of interest in the world of travel. Yeah. So places to eat, places mm -hmm. to stay, places to visit, oh, yeah, those Google kind of things. So he's going, no. you're up against the company mm -hmm. that has atomized knowledge and then can reassemble it in any form that you want. So don't atomize anything. Never think of the components. Think of the flow. And he says, I just wish I'd written more articles on the vibe, mm. on the itinerary, not the points, mm. on the uh, you know, reflections about the culture of a place, because mm. Google can't do that yet, and may not be able to, because being good at atoms doesn't make you good at spotting the patterns or the big picture or the vibe. Mm. And because he put, like just copying us, he put huge amount of effort into POIs, points of interest. Mm. But ultimately, yeah, Google just gets on your site, indexes them all, latitude georeferences them, and boom, it's on a Google map. So the rest of us have to think about our businesses in the same way. Mm. Is uh, If it's made up of the atoms, don't obsess about the atoms, obsess about how they go together. Mm and what the, the bigger picture, what the storytelling mm. is around that. Mm. Yeah, we tie ourselves up in knots all the time about our offerings and how to clearly explain them and be really clear. But actually, when you work with customers, that's not what they want to buy. Well, in, in an agile sense, that's do we obsess about every single ritual component? Yeah. Uh, so it's stand-ups. Mm. You, you could do that and, and learn them all and wrote, learn everything. And, but the truth is it's about the vibe of an organization that works differently, that's purpose-driven, that has teams collaborating on, on prioritized work. Did you guys put the heater on? I don't mind. You don't mind? Yeah. All good. It's all good. Is that okay for turn it off? Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's fine. And, that, and so, yeah, that's what we need to concentrate on. And, and the people interested in that, I don't think it's exclusively executives. Mm. I think all the way down, you've got a generation of people who are interested in why are we doing this? Mm. What is this connected to? How does this contribute? And therein, therein lies the secret of Lean, yeah. is that Lean is a holistic system and it's a holistic management system. So I know we all hate the word management, but that's, that's the essence of it. Mm. And Agile, really, we're trying to stretch this tiny, this kind of <laughs> thing that was just designed to make better software into a management system. Yeah. It won't it won't fit. It will never fit. Give up now, even if you've extended it all the way to scaled agile frameworks mm. or whatever. It is not a management system. Yeah. And that's what organizations from startups to scale ups to you know enterprise actually need today. Yeah. Tell me about your super productive venture. Well, it's, I guess super productive has been on my mind for a while, and I did. I wrote a chapter of a book. It wasn't called super productive at the time. Eighteen months ago, it was called Agile is the last thing you need. Yep. Which is a talk I gave at Agile Australia as well, just to kind of test it. And what it is, it's the reflections of three eras in my last two decades. I've been working at a startup in the U.S. where I learned extreme programming and started to realise there were other ways of running companies. It's the story of the Lonely Planet experience, which, you know, was, man, we were as agile as you could be. Mm -hmm. um, but we stuffed it mm. because we had the, we applied all of that strategy, all of that, that savings and productivity to the wrong strategy. 
and then the scale up which is my last seven and a half years I mean wow what an opportunity to be involved in something that was relatively small it was you know what would be a one and a half billion dollar company publicly listed that today is in a twelve billion dollar publicly listed company I mean there's like a couple of execs running the whole of yeah. Zach, right? Yeah. <laughs> You're doing like three or four roles or something. Yeah. And, it, and it was it was a crazy kind of post-startup experience. And, uh, we you know, we had the chance to experiment with so much. And we, we built that great experiment. And, uh, wow, here we are, $104 a share now from 11 bucks when I started. You know, there's people there who, uh, some of the long, who got 30 cent shares. Mm. And that 30 cents expresses a lack of confidence about an organisation that you don't see out there today, you know, that gets uh, quite a different thing. So that's what the book's about. It's about that journey and the fact that out of that drops a single model, three vastly different adventures in different places, but one model. And that is not, and still Agile is the last thing you need. You need it, but... So it's startup scale up, F up. Yeah, well, the other way around is start up, F up, scale up. Right. And, you know, there'll be people who are offended by my description of the Lonely Planet experience as an F up. Um, but it's, it's not anyone's fault. I mean, if anyone's accountable, it's me, you know, because I was an executive. And did I put my foot down when with that conversation we sort of had around, you know, nobody's ever going to take one of these $1,500 <laughs> mobile phone things to London and look for a place to drink coffee. That's never going to happen, Alex. It's Different times, though. And, and, and now, well, look at us all in this cafe. Mm-hmm. We all got our $1,500 phones out, and we all found, you know, this switchboard co-work facility, the world's smallest co-work facility, using Google. And I agree. What's behind the name Super Productive? Um, you see it on the front page there, actually. Um, it's because being unproductive really sucks. And, I, and, and if I reflect on all of the stuff from Lean, so Lean's foundation is I, I've had the chance to learn from the people who, who wrote, who invented that term. And there's a, there's a really interesting story about Lean versus Agile mm-hmm. uh, in that sense. But we'll get back to that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, productivity is actually the thing that people care about so whether that's the CFO who cares about product or CFO is deeply concerned about productivity or the CEO or the exec suite mm-hmm. anything well that well productivity below that is actually just lines of code and developers being asked to check in and check out and all those really quite negative views of what productivity is my experience is that if you give a software developer a shitty laptop mm. and a bad internet connection and reduce their productivity they're going to hate it. And they just and what do they hate about it? They hate about not making progress towards meaningful goals, which is one definition of happiness. But that progress is the productivity. You give a call center person, a crappy laptop, a bad, bad headset and some software that they can't bring up the customer who's on the line on, you're actually ruining their mental health. Mm. You're making them unproductive. So it turns out everyone cares about productivity. And if you start the conversation from there, so, well, how can we be the most productive? You very quickly get into your and my world. Oh, well, we, it's about teams and solving problems and visualized work comes up very quickly. And bam, you're in our world. Mm. So the challenge with Lean is that it's 
all of that knowledge is locked in books. Mm. So that the peak publishing period of Lean was the late 80s, early 90s. Those books cost 90 bucks. They're in giant chunks of cellulose. There's no, the, and the, it, the movement's trying to get to podcasts and videos yeah. and those. I agree, it is hard to access compared to other things. Well, and, and what the reason Agile grabbed all of the oxygen is that, I mean, look at the people who were at the table. You know, Wade Cunningham invented the wiki. Yeah. So they were natives. They could yeah. whip up an HTML page yeah. and, and share knowledge in a chunky way. Yeah. And also I think, you know, software was so unproductive that, you know, oh, you, can, you got something there that can make my software go faster. Awesome, because those guys take ages and they're really slow and if you expensive. Actually, yeah, you, yeah, you examine the whole thing from a sort of mental health perspective. You had a group of software developers who for, developers who for 15 years had been bullied terribly yeah. about how shit their software was and how they were ruining businesses. Because software ate the world and now if you couldn't do it or you took a long time or you did it wrong, the consequences were epic. So you take those people who are just absolutely sick hearing that it's the engineer's fault that this is too slow poor quality or otherwise the natural thing to invent is the agile manifesto mm. yeah. it's it's the high moral ground you can't argue with it mm. like, and they found a better way of making software but you, they never claim to have found a better way of running a company mm-hmm. very true mm. so tell me then about your productivity Oh, it's How terrible. I've got, I've got one chapter <laughs> of, of this book that's been sitting there for 18 months. What, what little productivity approaches do you, knowing all of this stuff, use on yourself? Yeah. I find that quite interesting, experimenting on myself, how many things do and don't work. It is, and so there's three elements of productivity that I think are, are key to the book is personal productivity, team productivity, and organisational productivity. They're kind of different recipes. And, you know, personal productivity is what gets us on a daily basis. I visualise everything. I'm a lists person. It's a list every morning over coffee. And prioritisation. What am I going to get done today? Really? And that gets to the top of the list. And I get to the end of the day and I've done those three things. So, again, I kind of think of it from a psychology point of view. Happiness. Um, I don't want to get depressed about all this. I want to be happy. So happiness is making progress towards meaningful goals. So am I making progress? I mean, you know, um, you read Jason Fox's book, Game Changer? Uh, no, I haven't actually. It's, no. an, it's a couple of years My old now. My book backlog is very embarrassing, I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> so he did his PhD in motivation, human motivation. And it, of course he's a funky millennial with a fantastic beard and looks like a pirate. Um, and his, his key discovery was that, if you take it from a gamer point of view, mm-hmm. imagine like a teenager playing a game and you and you, you put like thick tape over the experience points and, and progress bars in the top of the game how long do you reckon they play that game you give, they're going to give up in 10 minutes mm. so why am, I, yeah. why am I even playing I don't know where I am and that's exactly what we do in work mm. we, we don't feed that back for productivity so at a micro level for me as a team of one it's about Okay, I need to look at my progress bar at the end of the day and you know, reflect on, well, maybe why didn't I get that done? Or that's, that's kind of, that's it in a nutshell. A mm-hmm. simple plan, do, study, act, cycle every day. Very good. 
You're still colouring your graph squares? Still can't. I, I, um, I use that in a workshop now. Oh, good. And it's really hard to buy the graph paper. <laughs> That's probably the biggest problem. But, you know, and some people don't react well to being reminded that they've the death awaits us all. Yeah, oh. I know. I, you know I, that's, I, why, that's a good reason why to make work life great, isn't it? I admire the, the Buddhist tradition of, you know, for if you're training to be a priest, you need to reflect on your own death five times a day. It just normalises the fact we're here for X amount of time and, and, and you could get a surprise and not mm. uh, get your full 100% of an 82 year old or whatever the current life expectancy of an Australian is. Is that all? Yeah. Oh no, I've got to beat that. You reckon? Yeah. I don't know, those last years are pretty crappy. <laughs> At the moment. But come on, Nigel. Don't know. That, uh, what no. will be invented? Well, oh, no. What's your biggest prediction in what will be invented? Well, I think self driving cars are further away than we imagine. That's mm. a, a really complex problem. Um, and certainly the investigation into how, how good was the Uber self driving car and. The Tesla technology is probably not showing that it's anywhere near maybe five to ten years. Uh, I think virtual worlds are probably the, the most likely. Yeah, all this travel is very hard on the environment, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, have you seen Years and Years? No. People keep recommending it oh to me. God. I'm a bit scared to watch uh, it. Be, be afraid. Be very <laughs> afraid. Because it, it's an astonishing kind of science fiction documentary based thing of taking it now yeah and uh, uh, sort of slowly advancing to the future yeah that well right? not very not that slowly uh -huh. 2019 is a hung parliament based around brexit in the uk an emergence of a right-wing nigel farage type of mm -hmm. world and um trump getting another go so then you you, you fast forward to about 2024 2025 and the consequences of that. So Trump in his last days in a second term drops a bomb on that Chinese island that's the military base that they built out of sand. And collapse of the world banks, all these kind of things, which is, it's a, it's a change, and you know, deeply conservative political movement in the Europe world. It's just like, wow, the closing of borders. Mm. It's so feasible. Mm. And, uh, yeah, we, and, and one of the, the characters in it, one of the characters in the main family, the Lions family, she, she's decided to retreat to being transhuman, um, which is effectively get an upload. Right. So like that episode of Black Mirror where gotcha. the two old ladies mm, yep, yep, upload yep. themselves yep. to the, the great hard drive in the sky. Um, so it's she, her narrative, and the the first step to that is they invent a, an amazing mask that goes over your face that enables you to be an emoji, effectively. So the, imagine the parental frustration of oh dealing with a teenager <laughs> yeah. who's got a an emoji. You mean mask. those people in my house that keep saying OK Boomer to me? Yeah, exactly. Well, imagine OK Boomer coming from a, like that puppy dog face oh, or God. any one of the it's kind of flying around their head. emoji based thing. Yeah, and God. that's, well, that's, that's pretty real. Mm. I think that, and then she, that spending your life in a, an entirely virtual world. She mm. works in a virtual call center type environment. Yeah. And it's not ridiculous, is it? It's not ridiculous at yeah. all. That I'm looking forward to these things, our screens and our mobile phones, taking up less of our eyeball time. 
I want it to be a bit more mm. in service of me rather than me working for it, I think. They've got us, haven't they? Yeah. I don't know. I, it, there's so much information available in the world today. It's yeah. really about kind of keeping our human relationships going whilst we're also running these vast networks. Mm. I had a really interesting experience leaving REA Group mm -hmm. in that I lost all of my contacts. Talk about incompetence with technology, but not realising that for seven and a half years, every single contact I made and stored was lined up against my Outlook profile. <laughs> and then in the chaos of the last days, you know, live concert and hack day. <laughs> Not, gotcha. not exporting them <laughs> yeah, right. and waking up the next morning with a hangover and I wonder who all these nice people are and 45 contacts <laughs> and I tell you what that was one of the most scary things in my life like, yeah because they're 45 people that you knew seven years ago seven and a half <laughs> years ago yeah oh, brilliant. Um, and I'm going actually I don't know 30 of these still so <laughs> I deleted them and, and so I'm on I'm of Maria Condoed my contact life, and I'm not on LinkedIn. Oh. So it, it's been... Nothing's good happening there, don't I? Well, LinkedIn is unfortunately on record as me having described it as the AM radio talkback of human capital. Um, that's a big horse to climb off to go on it. But <laughs> oh, hi, guys. <laughs> yeah, hi, I'm Remember here. me? I'm back. I mean, I quit it with 3,200 contacts yeah. and a daily river of dribble from software developers who were convinced they could outsource our development. And, uh, yeah, I don't. If I, if I can not... So if you know Nigel, um, send him a text. So we've got the same phone number? Same phone number. Okay, I'm at nigel.ultimatesuperproductive.com. Oh, go to the site. <laughs> Go and have a look at superproductive.com. <laughs> we might get into triple figures. Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, oh my God. So now you have you to build your customer base again from scratch. Well, it's like it's the full lesson in life. I felt like <laughs> such a cool kid. I was sitting in LA in a co work facility and launched superproductive.com. Oh, nice. That's the way to do it. Um, I felt like such a, such a cool nerd. But uh, amazing what you can find how to do on Google oh, yeah. now. Anyone can do it. Very in, low barriers. Like, yeah, I was, I was pretty pleased with that. Mm. So. I need to spend some time building that site, and I'm still involved. Well, I'm happy to say I've continued my involvement with Orange Sky Laundry yes. as a kind of oh, a mentor, advisory, supporter, fan, fundraiser person for that, and I, you know, that's been good for my soul in the last few years, and she'll continue. Excellent. Well, um, probably a good place to leave it there yeah status and update catch up with your uh, adventure so you're not actually leaving the country so no going home to New Zealand to write my book but uh, I think another five years here Brilliant. saving up for a house to go on this lovely Great, vineyard so we have to interact with you virtually to get the next interview no it'll be the real me <laughs> alright ciao hey.